friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined on the second movie of this special creature feature double feature, got through that, pro status, uh, on this fine Friday night by my friend and returning co-host, Mike Cloud, Dr. Mike Cloud Don't in the house. People that. It's all right. So when I destroy you on medical body knowledge as we break into whatever happened to those uh, alpacas. I, I'm going to say know. something stupid. I'm going to lose my medical license. So it's best that they don't know. That's good. Then you'll have more time to co-host <laughs> the pod. Perfect for you and your family. All right, guys. Here we are. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, we also recorded uh, the first half of this double feature, the movie Slither, the James Gunn joint. Uh, the vastly underappreciated horror gem Slither. Awesome movie. Right? And we thought that was a great pairing for yep. the movie that was the igniting factor behind this double feature. Color Out of Space came out on video on demand and uh, Blu-ray this week, I believe. So Immediately I for rent, actually, by the way. I didn't even yeah. have to buy it. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, I bought it because I'm like, I'm going to be watching this shit all the time. But um, so this movie came out in theaters and I went and saw it and was blown away. Flabbergasted. Couldn't wait to talk about it, but because me and Alex couldn't line our schedules up, we never got to talk about it. So it came out, and I called up Mike, and I was like, Mike, we got to do this, and we'll just throw another one in. We'll do a double feature. Yeah, I loved it. It's right up my alley. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. There's so much to love about this movie, right? Why don't you walk me through your initial thoughts on what you thought about Color Out of Space? I mean, it, it, it visually... It definitely stands out as just a, a, a visually amazing movie, yeah. and really uh, interesting uh, for like uh, the director who screwed up the island of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> he to, didn't screw up; he was savage. To, to, to immediately <laughs> jump into something where so many of the story elements uh, uh, from the source material are it literally indescribable. Yeah, like, like, and so he's like, you know what? I'm, it just sounds like I'll take a challenge. And actually, I thought did an actually really good job of yeah. creating something unique and imaginative and something that wouldn't immediately like pop out of my head. Right. Um, the uh, although the one exception being, I mean, I love the color scheme, but a color that you cannot imagine being purple. I'm like, eh, okay, but <laughs> come on, here we are. See, you're like. The but then again, I thought at the same no. time, like, all right, so you're thinking a about close-minded No, no, but thinking about it like uh, uh, scient scientifically. Like, okay, if you're trying to get a color outside the spectrum, getting as close as you can to ultraviolet is probably the way to go. Well, I think what I actually think is really cool about this movie, right? Besides, I mean, there's so much to love, right? I love this new late phase Nick Cage, right? Who's like, I'm just going to become the craziest fucking actor in these wild horror movies, right? So this was the same production or producer team that brought us Mandy. I don't know mm -hmm. if you saw that on Shudder. It's fucking phenomenal right that nick cage dude? oh my god it's i i can't describe to you how much i love this movie right, justly right, quickly right also while we're on that note if you love our show leave us a rating and review on apple podcast find us on our social medias and you can now see our faces on youtube that's the nerd alchemist plural with an s at the end see i always slip in a plug there uh <laughs> but what i love yeah so this is the team that brought us mandy giving us these great late stage nick cage movies where the nick cage is fantastic it going there right he's it, one of those extremes he will just take it as far as you'll let him which makes him perfect for these kind of horror movies right these kind of horror of the mind and body right reality bending horror but as you said before like 
where he's supposed to be normal like he's not normal like <laughs> i don't know if it was written that way but like the dad character is inherently like weird he, throughout this whole movie just nick cage he goes is, from like weird to insane right. and, he's like, making choices but we'll get to nick cage yeah, yeah, as yeah. the dad right what and then this is the other thing they bring back richard stanley who's been gone for a long time 96 right? so he came out and was a hot young director he did hardware which we've yeah. covered on this show phenomenal movie yeah. right? so we love that movie yeah. great movie he went to do Island of Dr. Moreau. It was supposed to be kind of like a futuristic Judge Dredd kind of vibe, right? Like hybrids lost in this big like mega city. And it just kept getting attacked by the production and like famously troubled production. Yeah, not like, entirely his fault. I get that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he went in and pitched and won Marlon Brando yeah. back to the project. And then it still just got in trouble. And he went a little insane, right? They flew him off the island. He snuck off the plane. Is actually in the Island of Dr. Moreau. As one of the the animal yeah. hybrids, he snuck back on set <laughs> and is in the movie that he got fired from. Right, there's like a whole documentary on this. Oh yeah, I think it's called The Island of Lost Dreams, something yeah. like that. But it's a phenomenal. It's one of my favorite filmmaker documentaries because <laughs> there's this whole genre of like that and uh, Yudorowsky's Dune or Jodorowsky's Dune, right? Mm. So he's this really amazingly imaginative artist. He has like these giant books of fucking gorgeous you know landscapes in this huge fucking dune version he wants to do he's one of the first guys that went to hh geiger or geiger to like get him to do some like biomechanic futuristic art and then when that project fell through they're just like hey we'll use him for alien (laughs) right so like he's part of like it became this bigger thing but i love documentaries about when it just doesn't work like i think people forget how fucking hard it is to make movies Especially uh, really big parts, ones. Like, especially yeah. when you're fighting against other people. I mean, the more money you have, the more it's swimming upstream. Because more people have a chance to like, oh, I have to put my stamp yeah. on this. And that just becomes harder. So for Richard Stanley to kind of, after that movie, disappear and come back with something like this. is per- Like, I read a story, like, in his long time off, essentially. And I think he's been trying to stay busy. But, you know, he hasn't had, like, a big movie come out in that time, I don't yep. think. Like, I was reading a story. He's like, yeah, at one point I had, like, a coven of witches just living in my house. And, like, you know, things got weird. And I was like, that's great, though. That's, like, yeah. a good thing. So he comes back. It's good motivation for something yeah, like this. and he just makes this fuck. And him taking on the Lovecraft universe, right? Because yeah. I've always said, I was like, this is, like, the great fucking untapped source of material. It's just really hard to but Hollywood's like, visualize something some. that isn't. And it's hard to do well. Like, like well, Reanimator is probably yeah. one of the, the few, like, good right. ones. Of all the Lovecraft, though, Reanimator is the most kind of streamlined for a a, palpita- a yep. palatable genre, right? That you can actually... It's just kind of zombie well. horror. Yeah. And then they, they found the perfect mix of kind of funny, tongue-in-cheek, weird, gross, like, practical effects, right? That one works. When you start getting into, like... Like, famously, Del Toro has been trying to make uh, Mountains of Madness forever. Yeah. And everyone's like, when he won for Shape of Water, we're like, it's back, it's coming. Yeah. And he still was like, yeah, it's still, like, impossible to... And I don't know... If you can't do it with him, who the fuck can you do it with, Well, because it's something that's so up to the reader's imagination in so much of that. But that's what I... I mean, there are directors that can do that for you. There are directors that I'd like to see what their mind thinks when they see this. And to me, what Color Out of Space does really well, right, is I think Richard Stanley hones it in on what's important, right? Because... that they famous they open with and close with like bits of the the story the, the dialogue right? from the and what I like yeah. is at the end right the hydrologist just sitting there this broken man staring at this fucking infection water maybe yeah and he just goes um it was just a color out of space yeah because it was a messenger from across the stars um that broke open our minds at the vast 
whatever, right? Madness that was held in their world. Something like that. So essentially the theory, of course, I just butcher like the coolest quote in the movie. The, the, the theory being, though, is what it is, is this chance encounter between us and something else so much bigger, so much scarier than us, right? right. And the Lovecraft mythology is often about these, these old ones, right? The ancient mm-hmm. gods, right? These other gods that, whether they're sleeping deep at the center of our earth or whatever, there's something else out there that's going to shatter all of the myth building yeah. that we have, right? As humans, all of our religions, we kind of bring it back to... Every person who's religious sees themselves as the god of the religion they follow, right? In a mm-hmm. way, we're all like little pieces of these things. If you all of a sudden saw fucking Cthulhu emerge, you'd be like, oh shit, maybe that Bible is not all I thought it was, right? Like, well, there's a huge gaping hole. And I think that's what he focuses on. And also, that he, and I always love all movies that do this, where they, there's not very many that do it, but they acknowledge our limited perception ability. Yeah. And that's what this movie does really well. It's like, this is something you are never going to comprehend. Yeah. That's right. It doesn't give you an answer. It doesn't, it doesn't fill anything. It's just other than the fact that this is an entity. We don't know if it's malignant or a chance encounter or mm-hmm. what. It definitely hurts people. Uh, we don't, we'll never know why. Does we'll never it? know how it did it. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you, you just, you are never going to, the human mind will never be able to con- con- under- have the ability to understand what this is. Right. Uh, so you just have to accept it and call it what it is. It was a color out of space. Because they call it even a color out of space. It wasn't purple out of space because really it's supposed to be a color that <laughs> we don't even know what to call it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I love, right? Is it It doesn't take something like that. that like you said, like, I think a lot of people become afraid. They're like, holy shit, man. Like, how do we do this? Yeah. And what he said is, I can give you my the way my brain comprehends this, right? And it is. It's really kind of a bold choice for a filmmaker to say, I don't have the visual tools to explain all of this to you. Yep. But I'll give you as best I can. But you're not right? meant to understand. Yeah. Like that. That's, that's the point. That's, that's what what's love, terrifying though. about it is you don't know. Well, like I love that yeah. in the movie. Like where the you have no clue. Yeah. You don't know what you're dealing with. You're yeah. never going to beat it. You right. just have to go along for the ride. Yeah. And, and see where it goes. That's where I think this movie. Because we've also covered Annihilation on this show, right? I haven't seen that Annihilation one. is kind of the, the loftier philosophical version of this movie, right? Where it gets more into these big questions of like, what is life? What is humanity? All this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like a loftier, more art, art house version of this movie, right? Whereas this one has exactly the same setup. And it asks the same questions, but more in a, a focused around a family full of kind of fun genre you know toys right so i think this is a a much more approachable version of that story right whereas annihilation you're just like what the fuck right like the scene in the lighthouse right like when you once you get to the lighthouse and without spoiling anything there's just like for like 20 minutes i was just what the fuck is that and like for me a guy like me who likes to oh i'm gonna put my film degree to use right so i doesn't feel like a waste of all that money and just Makeup bullshit. Like, this is what <laughs> You're talking about really... the movie, The Lighthouse. No, the movie Annihilation. Oh, the right? Lighthouse scene. Okay. Yeah, there, it's been a good year for Lighthouse Cinema. A good couple <laughs> years for Lighthouse Cinema. Well, when you say, uh, what the fuck like, is going on, you say Lighthouse, and I think of like the yeah. Lighthouse movie. You will need to watch Annihilation, and okay. you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But this one, it, and that's the cool thing, because it exists, the movie itself exists way up in this kind of ephemeral, like, what the fuck is this, right? There are a lot of big philosophical things happening. Mm-hmm. But the movie never. The movie says if you're not the kind of viewer that wants to like sit and like pontificate, 
Fine, man. Yeah. Here's a story about the... a family, right? Because what this movie truly is, is it's all about unwanted change, right? The fear of change, period. There, there's And there's an element of selfishness. In, like, yeah. Each family member doesn't really give a shit about the other family. I mean, there's certain times where they I have some they, moments i think but they like do. for the most part like when they like really start losing their shit it's because they're not getting what they want but is it i mean you could argue i have this argument with people all the time like is there really anything as a such thing as altruism right right well that, yeah are people been, really altruistic whole, like three hour or, podcast yeah, do right they now? have like something inside of themselves that like they get a little fucking rise out of doing the good thing because that's the thing i'm like when's the last person i knew who went and did something nice for someone else or charity without Posting about it on Facebook, right? I'm like that kind of takes the piss yeah. out of like the altruism argument. It's still good to do good things, but let's but you're always gonna let's get not be coy about return, yeah. Like you're getting a rise out of that but too. There are many times in this movie where the other characters blatantly ignored warning signs in other characters because they just didn't give a shit. But I, I don't know if it's not giving a shit, right? What it is, and I think this is what all the characters are dealing with, right? Because the, the narrative is a a layered story on change right loss of self Mm -hmm. so they are this family who it seems like came from a city right a lot of money we're doing pretty well but they moved to this farm right the mom obviously works in some kind of like financial job she probably made a lot of like a financial advisor i think is what she he seemed to like he probably made a lot of money before right whatever Mm -hmm. he he's not a normal like farming dad as we'll get to right like something about like being an artist yeah. I think. Like, yeah. he and now he's just like, oh, dad. I'll get into like rare alpacas. Like that's not something you do if you're just like a salt of the earth person. And, and like, gets into alpacas for the wrong reason. Like he wants to right. harvest them for meat, right. which but nobody that's does. What I mean. That tells you he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. These are probably richer people, and this is more of a vanity. Thing, yeah. Right. And then you have the daughter who's just super into her witchcraft and this and that. Probably finding it harder being out here. She lost her friends. The son lost all his friends and a girlfriend he had at one point. Yeah. So he's just, you know, smoking pot and trying to get by and making friends with the squatter. And then the, and mom... the little kid feels alone because he's so much younger than the rest of them. He has no other kids around. So And the mom it... gets breast cancer, it seems yeah. like. So she has breast cancer. So it's kind of a three layer, right? Like, oh, fuck, we might lose mom, mm-hmm. right? We've already lost the comfortable life we had. And now through this, whatever's happening... We're losing our basic grasp on the reality that we were already afraid was too much of a change. I mean, even though so that's though, all it because that's the thing too. I don't know if you were like picking this up a lot. They do a lot with uh, the triangle symbol, right? Yeah, yes. I and in witchcraft that, mythology, right, or Wiccan symbolisms, I was reading about this. This is the symbol of transformation, right? It's like the feminine energy transfer. It's the fire, or no, masculine, right? So it's the fire element. Is it depend right? if it's up or down? If it's down, it's water. That's the feminine element. Yeah, and then feminine power. Man. This yeah. is the masculine energy. But what it focuses on more than like man or woman is it's transformation, right? If something is burned by fire, it's transformed to something else, whatever. There's, there's a lot of shit. It's actually kind of interesting reading. But the whole movie is about transformation, yeah. right? The upper attic area where we see the mom and child fucking golem, whatever the fuck that thing is. They that room again. is a triangle with another triangle within it, right? Early in the movie, when the girl's walking around, her her yeah, hairpiece yep. is a fucking triangle. And it's yep. always at the center of the film, telling you everything is changing all the time, even if you're not noticing it. Yep. And I think that's really cool. And, and even the the gimmick of the the inciting, or what do they call it? The catalyst. The catalyst is always water. Water is probably the most easily changing substance that we know of, right? Whatever you put it in, that's what the water mm-hmm. becomes. And so I think that's what the movie is, is it's just this really good story about 
how fucking scared we all are, right? And all we ever want is big adventure, this and that, but you're also always fucking afraid. Well, even like the, like the, the mom's like breast cancer, like she yeah. has a hard time coping, not with her cancer necessarily, but just for the fact that it seems like she lost her breasts. Like well, she, she's very yeah. like self-deprecating. Like well, she the has of the, movie the thing because there, she's lost. Yeah, well, there's something the scene where she, she's a, she doesn't feel sexy enough to be worthy of love from her husband. Right. And she even says, like, how can you still love me, right? So right. she's afraid that she's not only lost physically. And, you know, when you have cancer, I, I read somewhere that someone's like, once you get cancer, even if it's gone, you're always afraid. Like, it's yeah. always still with you. Yep. Even if it's you're gone, it's in your back. mind cause because you're like, it could return. Well, because before that, there's everybody is like, yeah, cancer exists. But nobody's like, I'm going to get cancer. Yeah. Once you get it, even if it's treated 100% remission, it happened to you, so it can happen again. Yeah, and that's fucking terrifying, yeah. right? And so I think every character in their own way is dealing with this. Where I would disagree with you is that I don't think they're all really selfish, right? Because I think they're dealing with a lot, but I do think there's like a strong bond, right? The movie starts with her honestly doing a Wiccan ceremony. To save her mom, yeah. To try to save her mom. I mean, in a selfish way, perhaps she asked for that says, Get me out of her here. freedom and this and that. But she also, you know, she wants to help her mom. Right? That's a pretty selfless act. I mean, the fun part of the movie, the fun question is, is is that ritual what draws the media right there? Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Because somebody like, even asked me that, here, and she's like, like, I fucking wish. Yeah, but then, like, she has to be get out of there. She gets out of there. No, she doesn't. The yeah, they all go somewhere else. Who, That's who true. knows what the hell they But went, at the end, right, when she's holding her father, and the, the hydrologist is like, come on, we gotta go. She's like, no, I'm not leaving. Yeah, I I'm, live here now. I live here. But it's the first point in the movie when she's like, this is my home. This right. is my place. The first time she's not rebelling against it is in this fucking moment of like, fuck, all these people I loved are gone, man. And then that's when she gets taken away. Yeah. And now that the whole, the ending will have to do like a, a, a segment later. Cause like yeah. there's a lot of questions. There's a lot to pick apart there. But, <laughs> but uh, I guess yeah, they, they I think, do make I think it's get... just nice. Cause even her and her brother have this. They call each other horrible names, right? Mm -hmm. But you can tell but it's definitely all siblings do that. There's no venom behind it, right? It's like a, it's kind of it reminds me of like when I was a kid, right? And I was getting into like punk rock and this and that. You were always trying to like find shirts, or like draw on your shoes or something weird that was I'm different. I'm my own thing. Like I'm a, I'm outside of the system, man. I'm I'm aggressive. Yeah, but it's like it wasn't done with like a an actual fuck you, right? It was more just a like. Hey man, I need a thing, right? Like this is a, a an SOS, right, to other kids. Like, hey man, if you're like me, like let's form a friendship. <laughs> and I think that's what him and his sister have in a nice way. Like the only one I really feel bad for is the youngest brother, yeah. right? Like he just feels he, so lonely, and he gets ignored through most yeah. of the movie. Like yeah. I think maybe it's more of a the, the the selfishness is more of a progression as the movie goes on. Like that kid just stays outside for days yeah. on end and nobody like does he's got anything. his friend watching it yeah, the man in the well he, he just sits there the for days and nobody brings the kid inside or like the, the kid uh he gets <laughs> that, that when he first has the encounter with the, the purple light and he's like coma he's like catatonic for like probably like an hour or so and the mom's like he's gonna go to the hospital the dad's like no that's too far yeah no i don't know i'm gonna go grab myself a, i'm gonna go grab some booze i'm gonna have a drink he'll be but, fine <laughs> <laughs> but i i think part of what that is though right is I think what you're calling selfishness becomes survival instinct, man. Because all of these characters, the onslaught that they're dealing with, and right. this, is, this is one of my favorite places to do scary stories, right? Because I'm sure a lot of people will watch this and it'll take the ding like, 
That movie's not fucking scary. It's my least favorite critique of horror films. Yeah, it's not scary, but is it's that they're not scary? Because like, horror films don't have to like scare me, right? right. Rarely do I watch a horror film and I go ah, yeah. and I like jump under my sheets, right? Like when it happens, awesome. Yeah, but it's fairly rare, right? The movies I really like though is you have to fill that screen with existential dread. Mm-hmm. I have to be feeling in my own bed, worried and uncomfortable about existence on a whole right no matter what that is right family existence personal exist whatever it is right if a horror movie can put me there right like it follows it's just about kids like you know it's a sexually transmitted ghost essentially mm-hmm. right but in that movie i felt fucking tense and scared though you're like i've fucking had sex before oh my god you know, what is coming for me and that's what i mean like, there, there is it's called uh yeah it's right called the yeah <laughs> the, my favorite part of it follows not to digress is when the director's like I don't get why people think it's an STD allegory. It's like weird. That Someone, was my immediate yeah, thought when I, I saw that. I was just that like, movie. you fucking, like, that's one of those, like, Bullshit. you guys aren't artistic enough to get it. I'm like, yeah, maybe you don't have it be sexually transmitted then. Yeah, like, right. It's right there. Yeah. But that, that, that's like a, a, a movie by, like, the Keep the Pledge people. Like, yeah. there, there's some funding from them behind the that. The guy movie. who directed Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties, is like, <laughs> you think this movie's about cats? No, it's about Mondays. Right? <laughs> but, uh, but that's. That's what I think this movie becomes is I don't think they're being so I mean, because at the end, at, when you boil any person down, right, we saw this in Slither, right? Like the prime directive for all of us is to survive so that we can breed and breeding is just a way to extend survival to the species past ourselves, right? Yeah. Those are our two directives. That's really all we exist to do as humans, right? And a lot of the problems with humans is because we have all these layered extra things on that get in the way of the prime two directives, right? And, <laughs> and you can well, say that's inherently, if they, if they do happens, get in the way of those prime two directives, we will usually not be altruistic in that situation. Right, exactly. Like, we, we will usually follow those prime directives. And I think that's exactly. maybe where this movie goes is the things that kind of gradually impair these people's perception of their own survival, then they become more selfish to try and maintain that. see... I'm going to I'm going to push on you again, right? I'm going to do you the same service you did me when we did Midsomar, where you I, were like that guy's a bad boyfriend. I was like, yep. no, he's a good I, boyfriend. I would 100% same behind And you fucking prick. battered me on it. That guy's a prick. And the further we've been from the pot, I'm like, you know what I think? And I've watched that movie probably 10 times. I was like, yeah, he's not a great boyfriend. Yeah, yeah he's a shit right? boyfriend. Cuz yeah. the first time I watched it, I was watching it as like, I'm a dude, I was a boyfriend. Like he brought her <laughs> on the trip. Isn't that enough? <laughs> And then you start, like, I watched it with my wife, and that's when she's like, you fucking moron. I was like, oh, all right, now, now I'm seeing some, like, Cloud tried to tell me I didn't listen. I'm going to do the same thing for you. That, that, that's that's from me making similar mistakes and learning right. that I'm an asshole. Yeah, I made the mistakes. You know, sometimes it just has to be beaten over your head yeah. a couple times. But I'm going to give you the same help, right? Which is, no one in this movie selfish, right? So let me break it down, right? What, what, what are some moments we see, right? Uh, so this, the kid, right? The stoner kid. When all of it's going bad Benny and everything's breaking I think down, Benny is the exception. he wants to climb in the well and help yep. out his fucking Benny's dog, the exception to which that Which is role. easily one of the dumbest, like, this yep. is never going to work, but he's so overwhelmed by the immensity of this and the tragedy of what's happening, right? That he's like, I just want to do one good deed. And the hydrologist is not very so. Like, well, not take the outside people out even, right? I'm take talking about just out. the family. I'm, I'm the fucking mom runs to the barn as this massive ball of lightning's coming. And she just tries to grab and save her kid, right? She's throwing herself in harm's way to save her fucking kid, right? But that's in the prime directive. No, I Save, mean, saving she has your offspring others. is always... She has two others. Eh, it's well, not like saving any of yeah, your it's offspring. It's not like he's is... the last one, right? 
that's what I mean. Like, that's a moment of she's confronted with, because the prime directive is survive yourself. Because as long as you still live, you Until can keep you, fucking well, to make more. Well, generally, actually, well, instinctually, true. it's found that, you know, you will throw your life down to save your offspring. That, maybe, becomes, a, that becomes a prime maybe directive moms, as soon as you Because that's, it. like, one of those things in nature that's kind of a myth, right? Like, that's why bears hibernate in different caves than the dad bears. Because the dad will eat the The dad kids. wakes up and he's like, oh, God, oh, there's four kids here to eat. And he'll <laughs> eat the fucking cubs. Yeah, right? okay, so maybe so not all of nature. I right? don't know, but yeah, I mean, I would say it's survival first and then breeding, right? Like, And that that's not to be cruel. Like, I, I'm glad we have all the other stuff. I'm glad we have art and it, podcasts about art and whatever. I'm just saying when you break us down, that's what we are. We are fucking robot viruses that are meant to make more of us, right? That's what we fucking yeah, are. Yeah, we are, we are machines when you right. really think about it. And that's kind of the fun thing of this movie is the color, whatever it may be, is breaking us down to our most fundamental basic derivatives, right? Or uh, directives, I should say, right? Even like your emotions. Uh, but that's what I mean. I think it's taking it to the point where it's like your emotions are getting ripped out because you don't know what's real, mm-hmm. right? Your reality is only what you perceive within yourself because everything else now could be colored by something else, right? This fucking thing. So the mom saves him. Benny tries to save the dog. The girl stays with her dad in his dying minutes. In the very last minute, Nick Cage walks in. This is my favorite scene in the movie. There's a lot of really funny Nick Cage scenes, but this is the great moment where you're like, fuck, Nick Cage is a great actor, and we forget how good he is because of the weird roles he takes. When he kills the alpacas, right? You're like, that's a classic Nick Cage. He's like, ah! Yeah, ah, yeah. ah, Screaming as the blood is like spraying on his face. God, I'm so glad Nick Cage is doing these movies. But it's like a classic <laughs> horror movie scene. You walk, yeah. it's the thing, right? Like, yeah. oh, the dogs are Yeah, it was exactly almost together. like the dogs, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, and he's fucking murdering the alpacas, right? Yep. He walks in, and him and his daughter aren't seeing eye to eye, right? And she, you know, are you going to, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, get out, I'm going to handle it. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're going to handle it like the alpacas. And he's like, get, the, yeah. you know, get out of here. And then he's like, kind of still says a nice thing to his son. Not as much to his daughter, right? They have like a little extra beef throughout the movie. But there's this great moment where you're like, Oh fuck! He's going to shoot his wife and his son, who yeah. are bonded together in this disgusting chrysalis. Which would have been the altruistic thing actually to do, because they are suffering and in pain. Would it? Because this is the thing: is he looks at her and he says, "You'll always be my golden lady." Gives her a he can't do it. He loves her so much, and he's yeah. like, "You know what I'm going to do? He's well, like, do but- I'm going to go out and find help, right?" And he might not be able to deliver that help, but in that moment. He's reminded of what he loves and what he's fighting for. And I'm going to go downstairs and fucking try. Granted, by the time he gets downstairs, he's totally fucking overwhelmed by the enormity of the problem. But that is a fucking. Yeah, he just goes down. He, well, he goes downstairs and, and watch. He doesn't go down the trail. He goes downstairs and watches TV and like pretends. Well, but I don't I'm know just, if he's actually pretending. When he actually, goes but, down, right? This, this. Some of the stuff at the end here plays very much like The Shining to me. Yeah. Like you're I doing agree. things. But you're kind of being guided by these other forces. Yeah, you're being right? influenced. There, there's a gravitational pull to that living room. Mm-hmm. And this gets into one of the fun games of the movie, which is every character is affected in really extreme and different ways. Right? In Nick Cage's, he is pulled to these behaviors that his father, who apparently talked like a really bad Trump impersonator... <laughs> Right, that's all. I, I, I didn't even think about that. The one time he like mimics his dad, I he mimics his dad it. like five times, and it's like just, just the ones like oh, the art no, thing. It's a lot, is it? I didn't yeah, think like when that. they're out in the barn, he's like, "No, I'll do it. I'll get the fuck out of your sights." And he goes, out. "Is that him mimicking his dad?" Yeah. Oh, I that, thought he was just being his a dad's. Di- voice. I thought he was just being a dick. No, no, no. Yeah, that's his dad's. Uh, voice, I didn't right? pick up on that. Okay, so he has yeah. this thing with his dad, right? Yeah. And that's how he's affected. The mom seemingly hurts herself in the course of trying to maintain 
the same kind of motherly habit she used to have, right? Like, she knows that she might not be around as much. So, you know, she's making dinner and fucking chops her own finger. Dinner's ready. So that's her kind of vibe, right? The stoner kid, he's losing time. He's getting spacey, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so they all have a different way that this thing is infecting them. There's not, like, a standard... This isn't a like a zombie movie, right? You get bitten, and you have X amount of time before you become one of the undead, right? right? Everyone who is affected by this, the, the, the infection protocol is wildly different. And the way it affects them is very yeah. different and very personal. Yeah. Right? Like, even uh, the fucking squatter, Ezra, which I love that about this movie, that they're just like, there's a squatter like 100 <laughs> yards from here. He <laughs> gives our son all these drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we can't do anything about it. That's how you also know they were rich white people yeah, in the city. Just, yeah, exactly. Like, we don't want to be the one to yeah. kick him off yeah. the property. Like my dad would have been like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And I'm going to beat your face and until you're gone, right? But like rich white people don't like to ruffle feathers yeah. like that. Like we want to see be seen as cool. Uh, but even him, right? He's just like, I'm gonna. He is affected by becoming this fucking voice on Memorex mm-hmm. because he's his his kind of jam is that he sees the world for what it is. And no one remember. He even says, I'm going to record the voices. Because yeah. if I don't no get him on Memorex, yeah. no one will believe. So what does he become? A voice on Memorex, yeah. man. And so that's that's yeah. what's fun about this movie is that it, it affects everyone in a different and very personal way, right? Um, here's a question I had for you. When the girl starts cutting herself, is that her doing it defensively or is this... No, I thought that infection? was like the thing, like infecting her, like to yeah. her, like as you mentioned, like her personal level. Because that was like her thing was... Was she was hurting herself like, early that, when the mom like said she was kind of like slut shamed her for uh, yeah. liking the hydrologist. Yeah, and she was just when we cut to her room, she's like, yeah. yeah. That, uh, that it, felt wildly extreme. And she was also doing runes, so I thought it was some kind of protection, perhaps. Well, I think it was like kind of like a combination of like something that whatever that thing was could infect her mind to make. I think with all of them, at some level, they thought they were in their right mind doing the yeah. right thing, doing what was appropriate, and that's what fit for her character although if you just took a step outside and realize you're just slicing yourself up with a box cutter that's not helping anybody and is horribly self-destructive like i was worried that was gonna like she's gonna walk down and be like way more cut up than she actually that was was, that was an absolutely brute yeah it reminded me like sam neill in event horizon yes we were like please please stop like every (laughs) she starts cutting herself and i'm like oh she's doing like a tiny like i'll get a dripple yeah yeah exactly i thought it was like initially just gonna be like yeah i'll do a thing and you come back and i'm like She's writing a sentence like stop, yeah. <laughs> God, stop. You like want to reach her and be like, kid, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know, she's really committed. She already had the tattoo of it, right? She had a tattoo on her foot of like the the pentagram. Yeah, but but so that's that's what I think is really cool about this movie is the fact that again, because it gets back to this theme of it's just a color out of space. Like we don't know what the fuck it is. Right. We don't know why it's there. We don't know how it got there, why it's doing anything it's the, doing. The only time you kind of get a little bit of insight is like from, uh, the, the squatters tape. Mm-hmm. Like he says, he's, tr- this is just trying right. to understand where it is and make things fit what it knows. Yeah. And it seems like it's like an, an entity that perceives reality differently than we do and maybe it has right. a, a wider perception of time and space and yeah. so when you start trying to uh, amalgamate that into our understanding bad shit happens like you start right. using bodies you start right. going insane uh <laughs> you start like seeing like streaks and eventually everything just goes away right and that's kind of what slither does too right yeah. he comes down and he's like oh well this is just how we do it 
There's even a scene where we see like the worm planet. Yeah, right, exactly. That was from that the was colors, a good tie in there. Very yeah. much like it's Slither, very right? much like Slither. Exactly. Where it's like you guys aren't prepared for what's happening here, yeah. right? And and that's the thing. Annihilation actually kind of phrases this in a really beautiful way, right? So as they go in, they start seeing all these things where, like, they see an alligator, and she's like, "This thing has rows of teeth like a shark." And one of the ladies is like, "Oh, it must have crossbred with a shark." And she's a biologist. She's like, "You can't crossbreed yeah. between species. Like, that's not a thing." And what you find out is that this shimmer, whatever it is, it has this prismatic effect where anything that is seen in this place, right? It's it's being kind of adjusted and broken apart. It's almost as if something is playing with the possibilities of what could be mm. changing, altering. So again, it's a little headier version of this. So it has like a whim to create something. Yeah. And, and what the color it, is. But that's what I mean. There's no, it's, it's not guided. It's just, you come in here and it's just like, it almost as if we're we all contain multitudes of possibilities and against our will things will just start happening right mm-hmm. like but, uh gonzo evolution in a way right where it's just fucking going crazy mm-hmm. right so we're without, all without really happening at once not really you'll have to watch again okay. it's like it's really heady and i actually have it's a book series called the southern reach there's three of them okay and again, I read all three books, and they never really answer an enormous amount of it. Right? <laughs> like, I, I actually really ending, love like, that. It's it's really good though. They're really good books. But what this one does, right? Instead of kind of bigger, headier things like that, what it's just saying is that this color, right, when it washes over us, I think what it's doing again is it's having you know whether it's that you know light that we can't see or whatever. There there is this kind of explosive escape of what's buried inside of us, right? Mm-hmm. Like this light is kind of shining, you know, in all the darkest corners of whatever's in our hearts and mind. Well, that's what it's saying, ta- peekaboo. Well, that's what uh, <laughs> the squatter says. He says, everything that's on the inside is now on the yes, outside. Yes. And everything that's out the there is, is now, now in here. here right? Yeah. Fast is slow. Up is down. Yeah. And Night is day. It's already morning. And that's what I'm saying. Right. And this is the cool part. Cause all of these characters, when we first meet them are so afraid of these big changes that have confronted them. Right. Whether they don't want them or what, or you know, they didn't ask for them or whatnot, they're all coping with these changes, right? And how scary that is. I, you know, even you hear little things, right? Where it's like, oh, our daughter's now just that age where it's harder, right? Like that's just a change you don't mm-hmm. ever want as a parent. So they're all dealing with this the whole fucking time, and then this thing happens, and now they can't help but to change. And this is where again I come back to my argument with you is I don't think... It, I think the selfish thing is to fully give in. The fact that any of them still find a moment of humanity to try to be decent and help out their fellow family members, that proves that there's... that whatever it, they're changing into might have been what was on the inside and what they kind of wanted or what they were afraid of becoming. But they still have that core bit of self. But would you... Because wouldn't I would it be say, easier to just cave into the light? Well, and well just I would. Off? I would say the only time, like Benny's the exception. That kid, I mean, outside of the, he just goes off, he gets high, but he's not really a selfish kid. He's usually like he's working hard. He, yeah, right? he he usually tries to be supportive and be there. He's not overly like insulting to the other family members. He doesn't really have like a selfish motivation. Yeah. Uh, throughout the movie, same with the little little kid because he's a little kid. But um, the only time it seems like. I mean, there's the beginning, and then it kind of things start to like escalate, and people tend to become more selfish, and then it kind of rounds back out again to this like dedication to the family and each other, but only when it's hopeless, when there's nothing left to lose, when there's but, no escape. But let me let me ask you this though, right? Isn't that in a way a co-signing on what I'm saying? Right? Is that when everything's the most hopeless, 
why still throw in with this fucking thing that you don't care about, which is this family unit, right? Mm-hmm. If they're not really bonded to the family, then why fuck it? Like, why doesn't you, she in just that grab, moment, that's all you have. Why doesn't she grab the hydrologist and be like, hey, man, why don't we fuck until, like, it's gone? <laughs> like, fuck my brains out. You know what I mean? Or I'll fuck your brain. We'll fuck everything that moves, I, right? I, that, that, like, I don't know if that would actually fit the flow of the movie. Right, I'm <laughs> saying probably not as good of an artistic choice, but from, like, a base level question, right? The fact that at the end, right, I care about that dog. I care about my kid. I care about my dad, who I've had a bad relationship seemingly with this whole movie. The fact that when it is the absolute darkest, that is the thing they anchor to. That's the lighthouse in the storm. I think that means that it it means a lot. And through doing that, they're sacrificing their last moments instead of a fucking hedonistic, like, I'm going to get something out of this. Because that's what I always say, right? If the apocalypse was coming, like if I knew, right? If, uh, what was that movie? Melancholia. If I'm watching the planet that's hurtling towards us, that's going to kill us, I'm not doing anything nice for anyone. I'm just being like, who's down to do all the partying? And, <laughs> and I'm go- like, I can throw away this, you know, well, I don't have to worry about being like a good guy, a good dad, my legacy, my bills. Like, You're saying that's what you would do. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'd just be like, hey no, man, you wouldn't. how much carnal pleasure... I'd like uh, to think I'm the you, guy. You, you that would like, go and grab your kids and your wife. You I mean, would. I'd like deep to. Down, I'd would. like to believe I'm the guy that, like, you know, me and my family, we hike up to like a tree-filled mountain, and we talk about how great it was, and we read like great literature to each other. We're like, look at the art of humanity. No, I, but I, what would really happen is I'd just be covered in heroin needles, be like, let's fuck. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you may have. Like, a that's pl- all I'd want to do. No, I don't think you would do that. Why not? Uh, just get as because, much as you can. In because it all that stuff is meaningless. Like in the but end, this, like, like, this is the question. In, you in have your, your to last yourself. moments, you don't want pleasure; you want meaning. If you know that that thing is gonna fucking smash into the earth, what does any of it mean? So you think you're, me you're, having you're, a Mister Rogers what, last day instead of a fucking Hellraiser last day gives my fucking death by planet any more meaning? It's all about what's inside your own internal black box. You know what's gonna be in my black box? Nothing. It's about to be exploded <laughs> in those very last seconds. That's what matters. I think I would go very Hellraiser, right? Where I'm because just you- like. To sell my pleasure, to sell my pain. I'm like, get the fucking fish hooks. Nah, yeah. you, you would get way more out of what you built in your life <laughs> and enjoying that in the last I few don't seconds. I think so. I, I, like, I, you're I, telling me you would look I, back I, and be like, knowing, knowing you for. Look at what I built that's about to be fucking tender. Just splinters. Yep, just sent enjoy out it up until the, the very last minute. Hey, man, maybe. Rather than piss it all away. But you may have a point, though. There's no pissing it away. The universe is taking it away from me by force. All that really, if you think about it, the thing that matters most is what happens on your deathbed or in the last moments of your life, where you are in those last thoughts. That's the most important point in time in your life. And And then coming down to this, you may at least have a point that at everybody's core is selflessness that may be the point in this movie where everything else is stripped away all that selfishness uh, has been exposed and gotten out of their system and all that is left for them is what is deep down in their core and what they're going to enjoy in their very last minutes and that to them is inherently in all of them is their family uh, like the mother's sure. embrace with her her child uh, uh nick cage's character uh i i assumed that he is in a different place in space and time where he is actually with his family and he's not actually imagining it. Uh, and, uh, and the girl bonds with her dad, like in those very, very last minutes. Right. But like, as opposed to like right. the policeman or Chong who die alone. Yeah. 
But I think that's that's the thing, right? Is the color out of space also kind of works as a nice symbolism for you're lost in the sea, right? The sea of the stars, and all you see is black. Everything's going. There's just this one little fucking light to draw you in. Yeah. And that's just one thing, one decent thing you ever knew. And that's what it is. I think if these people had access to drugs and orgies, they would be doing what I said to do, right? <laughs> like, I'm think- telling you, they would be more into this. Uh, uh, one of the weird, weird things, right? So getting to the end of the movie, I'm really fascinated by the ending, yeah. right? Because what we see, this is the other crazy part of this movie. I was like, it's kind of a slow burn. Like things are starting. Like, I mean, granted, she chopped her face. It's not super slow. Right. You're like, oh, there's a man in the well. And then in about five minutes of the movie, they're like, wow, this just got really dark. Like they yeah. kicked it up. Like people are cutting themselves. The mom and son are bonded. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, whole, like, like, that that kid just, like, constantly <laughs> right that, that got me. That kid in pain fused to the mom and just wailing and moaning. I'm like, oh. Like, if it was, I mean, yeah, granted, if it was just the mom, like, yeah, that's messed up. But if it's the little kid, oh, my no. God. Like, that was. And, and that's that what they know is because if it's a mom, you're like, well, she led a life. She had a family. Yeah. You but, know. But this little kid who has, like. people die. Who has yeah. a limited ability to even conceive what is going yeah. on. And just to imagine, like, the, the terror in that kid's mind. And just like the constant pain in a child. Yeah. That that was the most fucked up thing in that whole movie. Well, I can't remember what movie it was, but it's one of those lines that like I'll never forget. Movie, a book. I can't remember where it was. I don't remember where it came from, but I'll never forget the line, which is essentially someone, they see like these little coffins, right? Because someone mm. just died or some kid got killed. And someone's just like, it's obscene that coffins are made that small. Yeah. And that, that only, I, I, that's I recognize I mean. like, that. You can not feel you know like there's all kinds of adults you know like well they might have asked for it like they're a piece of shit you know like they've it's, lived it's people we can make a judgment like they've done enough things to where like well, I, i'm it, not worried about their loss of future well, it's not right? just that but it's like cynical. as an adult you can understand where your pain's coming from you can at least somewhat understand what's coming and make your peace but as a child, a child can't do that like but what goes inside the mind of the, what's going on no, inside the yeah. mind of a child is what makes that the most messed up to me yeah yeah no i mean that's because that's the thing right like an adult you're like you've had a lot of chances to do things and i think we detach ourselves from other people right Mm -hmm. and you go oh they did so many things wrong they had their shot and they missed it with a kid and i think the reason everyone loves a kid and you have kids i have kids you just look in their eyes right and it's just oh fuck you're not broken yet yeah you know what i mean like it's pure you you really could do anything like Mm -hmm. your whole life could be amazing and I think we all love the myth of the kid who gets by unscathed. And I mean, tragically, that kid doesn't exist, right. right? Like, the longer you're here, the more fucking mental or physical wounds you pick up, the people you lose. But we all love that myth. That's why Peter Pan's so popular, right? The kid who gets away with it. Like, the mm-hmm. kid who just skates through life and everything's great for them because they're so innocent and they deserve it, right? And any kid who is lost, you're like, fuck, man, that's a chance we all have. But the unfortunate part is to lose that the life. unscathed kid is a prick, like Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, because I, I think when you're like a prick kid like that, like if you're a rich John Hughes kid bully, mm-hmm. you are psychically scarring your soul in this. Right. Well, in, in general, you know, kids who yeah. are genuine assholes, they, they're acting out like they're yeah. happy people don't try to hurt other people. Right. Peter Pan just doesn't understand that he's a selfish right. jerk. Well, I saw a trailer. There's this new movie coming out called Wendy, right? And it's like another, fu- I'm like, God damn, is there no other fucking story that's right. How many public people? domain? Like, that's Huck, not Peter I, Pan? Hook was great. Yeah. We don't need to do you another one. weird. I found I out because we grew up probably at like the perfect age to love Hook. Yeah. Apparently people hate Hook. Why? Who? There's like a whole fucking thing where Hook sucks and people what? hate it. 
And I was like, I remember going to Kmart and desperately begging my mom to buy me the coconut sword. <laughs> went, yeah, ding, yeah ding. I know, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. but no, I'm telling you, I, I run a film podcast. So I get a lot of like, I cross a lot of film takes and whatever. And apparently it's like vastly hated movie, which I find fucking absurd is it like a return of the jedi thing where like if you were at a certain age you hated that movie? yeah probably so but (laughs) i don't know how we got to hook but no oh windy right so this new trailer came out and it just said um there are some kids right the wild ones with the light in their eye and they're the ones who can escape and never grow up right and i was like what a fuck i don't even know if the movie will be any good but it's a really beautiful trailer Mm. and i was like that fucking sentiment is what i think we all love right is like you just see a fucking kid happy and you're like, when I'm happy, it's like, oh my God, I've escaped for a minute. You yeah. know what I mean? There's like, there's still these like tendrils of the darkness. A kid, you're like, they just you, fucking you... pure happy, right? And that's what, when you see this fucking little boy, and granted, he's kind of a classic horror movie boy where he's a little weirder than normal, a little creepier. We had the classic dope trope, right? That's what I used to say on the show, like things that they do in a horror The, the kid then, that has the no. overly large glasses. <laughs> but not only like that, he's drawing the monster and no yeah. one thinks that's weird. Right? Yeah. Like him and the shiny well, He's talking kid, to like, a well. He's like, what are you doing? I'm talking yeah. to my friend. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That sounds normal. Yeah. Well, at least he's not talking to me. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing even that kid, his form twisted and fucking violated. And, and I mean, again, it's, it's a violation of our natural order, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we might not all be religious, but we do have these these concepts and ideas that we hold, uh, you know. There are things that are sacred. Sanctified. Yeah, yeah, they're sacred to us, right? And the mother and child bond is something I think we all find very sacred. Yeah. And to see them be mutilated like that. And here's the part that makes it such a brilliant fucking creature design is the way they're melded together is not like him clutched in her arms like, like they she were. she pulled him through her. They flipped him. So they're back to back so they can't even so get any yeah, warmth from true. each other i was like that is such a fucking brilliant yeah effect work right because she uh, caught him here and was right. like protecting him and now he's back there so they have no fuck they're both calling out alone and scared and have no idea and in pain and like oh, that part ripped my guts out yeah. like amy walked in and she's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's it's a fucking heavy movie dude <laughs> but we got to get to the end right so we know they can't leave by car. They can't get out this and that, right? They can't even leave by horse. Like, the, the, the horse, horse just runs, runs away. Right? Which is another Selfish like, fucking horse. How did that horse fucking get away, right? Right, that's one thing I was wondering. Like, every, all other animals right. are mutilated but the horse. Like, I don't the know how the horse The entry point gonna... for the color is water, right? Because mm-hmm. that's yeah, why the, the well. hydrologist can make it, right? If you No, no, not even the well. Anything that drinks water. Right, because Tommy Chong is not drinking from the same well, but the same water source. Right, so if you drink oh, water, yeah. this is when like it starts happening for you. Right, because right? it gets to the plants. Like when the meteorite first hits. Right, we see the fucking stoner kid. He's like drooling on himself. The shot right before like the color hits is a glass of water right on his desk. Right, mm-hmm. and we see that a couple times. Like uh, the girl when she has like her first like loss of time freak out. She's doing the dishes and the water starts overflowing and all this. So the water is the entry point, right? We yeah. even see it in like Nick Cage's ice cubes and shit. Yeah, you see like the little purple haze. In right. the yeah, that was a cool shot. <laughs> so I was like, that's how it's getting in us. Yeah. Which I found kind of strange because it clearly exists outside of us, right? Like at one point the hydrologist sees like lights moving and they're mm-hmm. affecting his car and this and that. Right. Tommy Chong's but- listening to them deep underground. 
so that the it's not just in their minds like that was no. like one thing i was like wondering through the movie but like, is this is this just the water getting poisoned and they're hallucinating but right. then they clarify that when the the hydrologist he's not drinking any he's avoiding the water and he still sees all of it so right. it was it's clearly an alien entity right and that's the weird the way that because i think that's the fun part is it kind of turns this creature whatever it is or creatures or i mean we might not even have a word to describe or, or even just like a piece of alien technology that's not even sentient right right that's what I, that's the scary part right is whatever it is it does feel like it's playing mm-hmm. and that's always well, it, it almost seems scarier. it seems not even playing it seems almost just chaotic like it yeah. it doesn't have a motivation it's just yeah. doing yeah maybe it's like the monolith in 2001 yeah. where like because i've always heard that the monolith is there uh to be you know it's kind of this engine and if you're in its presence there's this tone or whatever and mm-hmm. that's what jump starts your evolution yeah. I think that's not as poetic as I like, right? I think just being confronted with something that's so surreal to where you are forces you to, like, you know, expand yourself. Right? I think yeah. that's kind of the more poetic and version. The, the human that. mind can't take it. Yeah, like, when they just see this fucking thing, they just immediately know. The way it has, like, these unnatural, like, perfect, you know, numerical forms and whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, fuck. And then they go fucking brain the other try, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I think that's kind of the thing with that. And this might be what this is, right? We're just in the presence of something so fucking insane. Maybe this thing has no intention of infecting us. And it's just like, yeah. ah, shit, I got to get back. Maybe it's Howard the Duck, right? I got to get back <laughs> home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, we're just reacting because we're in the presence of something. So that's what they say at the end. It just breaks our mind open. Yep. You know, and it's like vastness. Mm-hmm. and maybe maybe that's it because does... that's that that is the thing at the end of the movie we have to ask ourselves because we see by the end it is specifically now targeting us right so here here are the two distinctions i make it definitely catches the cop and breaks him in the tree for seemingly yeah, that, no that, reason that, right that was like kind of like the one outlier that actually seems right. malicious and uh, then there is when it captures Benny in the well, right? It takes Sam and it takes Benny, right? The dog and the stoner. And there's a moment when Nick Cage is in the house, right? And he's like, Hey, uh, you know, my family's all in there. And he go, and he goes, Oh, right. Like he's talking to his wife and he goes, except for Benny, Benny lives in the, the well. well now. Yeah. What is that distinction to you? Uh, again, like I think like the, whatever thing that was kind of absorbed those people into, uh, itself and they're existing in a whole other plane of existence in across space and time uh and so nick cage can visualize them and that's i think evident when he talks he like he has multiple voices that come out right. of his mind so i think he's like tied in with all of them for whatever reason the well entry point is somehow separate from what's going on like it's like an isolated area that seems to be locked off right uh and um it's also interesting because that's where the portal comes from right where right. it comes like straight it, up out of it, the well. It captures the sun, right? It captures Benny. It also activates, and there are tendrils that draw Nicolas Cage's ire, right? Where he mm-hmm. points the gun at it, and that's what leads the cop to fucking shoot, shoot Nick Cage. He thinks he's gonna shoot his. So that then Nick Cage comes back as this kind of color zombie. Yeah. With his zombie family. That's what I mean. There's. I, I had a hard time separating in my mind what the significance was of the well, right? Which maybe the well is just the creature, right? Maybe whatever the fuck it is, that's the most physical corporeal form we see of yeah. it, right? Is whatever's in that tree. But right, then, isn't that the exact same shit we see 
when uh Ezra the the squatter he start his body starts to collapse into color well, there are tendrils there too right I don't remember there being tendrils there uh the one thing though thinking about though like that is when you look at the beginning in the well there's actually like almost like an eye at the base of the well right. that that looks up and like yeah. sees everything in that purple blue uh yeah, that haze that doesn't seem to really move outside of that spot except at the very end the the little uh grasshopper or the the praying mantis yeah. um tends to stay around that spot except for the end you see it yeah flying across and, and that's the weird because like there's great moments too where like you can tell it's all the water right so the water feeds everything living mm-hmm. and that's what tommy chong's character says i think is like it had it it's gathering everything living to itself or something like that yeah and like when nick cage is like biting the enormous fruits and veggies and he's like oh yeah fuck, they get all so taste pissed yeah shit. they all taste bitter right so like Whatever the dark soul of a tomato is, is now like, <laughs> you know, the flavor of this fucking thing. But the the well, because it seems to bait Nicolas Cage in. That that's there's something extra going on with the well right. than like when you're in the home, right? And there's a, that's where the whistling is coming from. Right, that's where he says my friend is. Like that's they, where they, the, and, the man in the well is. Yeah, so it might be like that thing is like centralized in the well and kind of right. seeps out to the groundwater. That's where the creature that is, yeah. and everything else is just like a tendril. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because that's the other thing too is at the end, the hydrologist escapes right he essentially Mm -hmm. barricades himself in the house and is able to survive in this wine cellar there's a moment though that i found very strange which is the the wiccan girl right the girl who cut herself uh i forget her character name no not not wiccan alexandrian remember no he said alexandrian and she said that's your second mistake but i i don't know if you think she was being facetious yeah i wonder if she was like yeah. You're right, but I'm not going to let you know. <laughs> well, I was like, who the fuck is this hydrologist just walking around <laughs> with like such weird knowledge bases? Right. Also, well, who, this I mean, struck me as a hilarious of- movie moment where I was like, I have a lot of friends, right? And if we were walking through the woods, right? And even I, right? I'd be like, fucking white people. <laughs> Are you just out here fucking like on a white horse and a cape doing fucking like witch rituals? Like, God damn it, I got a job to do. <laughs> like, yeah, that goes back to your, actually, interestingly, to your rich kid point. Yeah. What what kid has a horse that they can just wander <laughs> around with? <laughs> I'm going to ride Shadowfax yeah. or yeah. whatever Gandalf rode down to the, the crick. The crick, as we call it, to uh, you know do rituals. But this, this is a cool moment, right? So she says, I live here now. The next time we see her, she's by the well looking down, right? Looking mm-hmm. into the well as, like, the cone of light comes up. She turns... And the color is now in her eye. Yeah. Like all the when we see it in Nick Cage's eye, he's already like a dead zombie version of himself. She has it in her eye, and it's glowing from within her soul, almost yep. as if she's taken it in herself. Right. She turns to the hydrologist. His eyes share the same light, and that's when he sees it, what the alien world. Right. Right. Is in that right. scene, and so in that moment, he he shakes it off somehow mm-hmm. and escapes. My question to you is. Does he really escape the effect of the color? Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that his paranoia uh, at the end uh, is the the purple's effect on him. That the water may be right. perfectly safe to drink, right? Uh, despite like multiple you know testings where everything's gone back to normal at that point, mm-hmm. but he refuses to drink it. That may be the slight uh, thing, and plus right. his memory of that <laughs> event obviously affects him greatly that's true. Uh, having seen that alien world right he'd be yep. like what the fuck because <laughs> yep. that's the weird they don't really give us a reason as to why 
it leaves, right? Yeah. I would argue is that anything living that drank the water had already been utilized at that point. Whatever assets it had available had been utilized, right? Utilized for what? We don't know. Maybe this was just, you know, the canary in the cold mine for this thing, right? Um, again, there is a way to watch the movie, as you're saying, where, like, none of this was alien. This is, you know, she did a ritual and something happens and they're all fucking freaking out. Oh, I But didn't. they kind of share this same nightmare, which I think says that it is an alien of some sort. Oh, yeah. I think, it, it, like, the the uh, the hydrologist's point of being in the movie was to tell the audience that this actually happened. Right, because they kind of run it along like he's there to tell them to not do this big water project. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the very house where this thing all happened... It's now under this water. So this giant body of water where all the water will come from at the bottom of this is the fucking impact point where the fucking color infected the water. Mm -hmm. Right? So is this a slowly spreading thing? Could it happen again? Is he the one who is actually infected and is going to spread whatever they want? And then at the end, we see the praying mantis Yeah, again. right. So it's not completely gone. It's not completely gone. From the right? planet, right. And yeah, so the praying I mantis like... to me feels like a construct of this thing to, you know, go around and survey above ground, yep. essentially, right? Right, yeah, because that was like the one physical, truly physical manifestation yeah. of it was mm-hmm. this, why it took the, the, I mean, I guess you could probably delve into why it took the form of a praying mantis in the first place, but something that eats its lovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I that's don't know. A... Maybe that's it. Uh, you know, maybe he's just like scrolling through the psychic Rolodex and he's like, that thing kicks ass. <laughs> right. And he didn't realize it was like this big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Children catch these. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know exactly why it leaves at the end. Right. Right. Like, that's like, is this thing that is it, is it, there's gotta be some sentience to it, but yeah, is it just, did it crash land here accidentally? Yeah. Is it scoping the area out? Is it just trying to get back home? Is that why it's consuming all these resources to build up the energy just to get back off yeah. the planet? Because, um, yeah, that seems to make the most sense. That it is something that just doesn't understand where it was, is, needs to get out, and needs to make its surroundings something it is familiar with. Which is something that all we do and can be very destructive. Like, yeah. It would definitely be self-reflective on us True. that whenever we go into a, a new land or a new culture and aren't completely prepared, we try to make their norms just like ours, and it can be extremely oh, yeah. destructive. That's true uh, to them. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, what I what I like about it is that <laughs> I think it's fun to always have that debate, but I don't think it fucking matters. No, right? Because what happens at the end is that the color is gone from this family that we've gone on the emotional journey with, right? That's all that matters is at the end, they are all reduced to the fucking hand with the ring on it. The fun question becomes is did she and Benny, right? The daughter and Benny actually go wherever yeah. this thing. Fucking I, I think she did. I think she like is Nicholas Cage. Well, the only one who's there and destroyed because he maintained his most human form. No, I think that, uh, part of the, uh, perception of our reality is also our consciousness and whatever this entity was i think it actually separated uh everybody from their physical form but maintained their consciousness which is evident when nicholas cage gets shot becomes that zombie and then speaks with all the voices of all his family so yeah i think she discorporates and but her consciousness streams back to wherever that thing came from well because the ones you see that really kind of seemingly you know vaporize right into like color 
are Ezra, the squatter, and her, who both seem to have made peace with whatever's fucking happening. Yeah. Right? That Like, whatever this thing is, it's just, that's it now, right? Yeah. This is my family now. And so I don't know, man, but that's what, I, I like a movie that, it has such a good emotional core in the story of the family mm-hmm. that once that's wrapped up, I don't really care that much that the color's not there. And I like that they leave it as, because they leave this guy who survives, right? And he now is dealing with the change that he never wanted, right? He's broken. Yeah. When we see him in that movie, it well, feels like he's a broken, now he's like smoking and Well, he's also broken. water. He's throwing cigarette butts in the water. I'm like, that is disrespectful for a hydrologist. Well, because he also told these people before that project that the water's dangerous. Don't follow through with it. And they're like, well, we already paid. We're going to do it anyway. Fuck the people. And they didn't even know that was why. That was when they thought it was just like toxins killing fish. Right. Then you add on like, oh, fucking demonic color. (laughs) So, yeah. like I mean, there is an underlying uh, theme there of like our own, you know, water quality because that's something that's because I think uh, I think uh, H.P. Lovecraft, when he wrote this story uh there was some thought that he was alluding to like the the radon exposure or the radium oh, really? exposure yeah uh to to women like in the factory that were putting it on because of like the physical changes it would cause yeah. and like the mental issues it would cause them um and I'm so just, like I, this is not they, they, they this movie kind of transitioned that to water quality yeah uh because i'm just glad it's a lovecraft story that's not like immigrants are bad <laughs> right that's like every one of his bad guys are like god non-white people are scary right? what Lovecraft is not age well. He's a notorious fucking racist. I, the, I, I the, thought all of his stuff was the the uh, the, the the antagonists are the they're not real. No, 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 his he's always afraid of the scary other, right? The non-white guy. He's this. Well, not, like, the, if you listen, the extra dimensional thing or the no, 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 not even that. I'm telling you, if you go back, like there, there's lots of literature. All right, right? All right I because there's it. a guy who really likes Lovecraft and read a lot of his stories. It's pretty obvious right that he did it and you're like all right that might have been the time he lived in but it feels even extra right like even reanimator has some shots at like oh i don't want that you know corpse because it's a black guy if i remember right like there's a boxer guy and they're like oh but he's a black guy it's like you're making like zombies dude chill the fuck out <laughs> but uh yeah so you know we always have to do this because every time i like into lovecraft i go through my like oh I'm, I'm gonna just like study more for this month you find those people that write a lot of pieces like they just came out with this movie right and it was like i can't remember what it was called but it was essentially like lovecraft is a tiny little like cartoon kid and he just has like a cthulhu like peach dragon like following him around and all these people are like hey man don't make the movie that makes hb lovecraft like your kid's friend like that guy's a piece of shit really uh, i I, I guess i have it's been a long time since i've read yeah. a lot of his stuff yeah i'll have to go back and look and actually like pay attention right to, and, to and i don't like doing i don't like going back in time and being like wow this guy was not as like cool as we are today yeah because you know i'm imagining like the average level of like shittiness people had towards other people mm-hmm. back then was a lot higher but i think it you know it's in there you can see it in the work but what i like i just think like his imagination was so ahead of its time that even if the the root of the idea, the seed of the idea, was something not good, there, there, uh, it's this kind of imagery that's still very visceral to us today. Sometimes, and then other times, like I, don't get me wrong, I give H.P. Lovecraft, I, I like a lot of his stories for the stories that they are, and like his imagination and extreme influence on today. Yeah. But some of it, almost like I'm like, is that creative or is that lazy? Like, because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like oh, that's so scary, you can't even imagine it. 
Okay, that's like, that's the fucking that, that's I, I, the is, shark is that, in Jaws, it, it, or that in the in this case it's the 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 uh, is it a, a not a chipmunk a uh, like a beaver or a woodchuck a woodchuck uh, the woodchuck was so terrifying I can't even describe it. Yeah, like uh, is that is that is that is that just laziness? I see what you're saying. <laughs> I think, but that's the thing. Okay, that's true. That could be lazy, or that could be just a guy who's confident enough to say, "Hey, man." Join me on this journey. Yeah. Write with me. Right? Because he knows, and I think every fucking writer knows, you can never make it as scary to a person if you don't, or as they can if you let them personalize the monster to them. Right. Right? Every monster to us, we can make a scarier version of it in our own heads. Right? Mm -hmm. There are things that are universally scary. Right? Like, I think Freddy Krueger is a pretty universally scary idea, but we all have our own version of that that would ratchet it up a little bit. So our, but our own individual it, right. boogeyman. And that Which might is, be bad but, in some Lovecraft stories, but I think Color Out of Space is the prime example of when it's perfect. Yeah. Right? Which is, imagine that there's something, and we'll call it alien because we don't have a better word for it. Yeah, it could be And what it can be or... is something alien even within <clears throat> you, right? Something that we try to hide and bury and we've never dealt mm-hmm. with. And when it crops up, you're like, what the fuck is that? How did that get here? Right? Or it might not even be alien. Maybe something that's been there the whole time exactly that we right. just never knew about. Exactly right, man. And I think this story, I love the big sci-fi. Like, it kind of reminded me in a great, beautiful way of From Beyond. I think that's a really good comparative movie to this, right? It's a, that's another one of those, uh, I don't know if that's Lovecraft too, but it, uh, you know, it's kind of in the reanimator vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So it has a, What's his name? The guy who played Herbert West, like Kent Jeffrey, Jeffrey something, right? <laughs> I forget his uh, name. Of the, it's late and I'm tired. I forgot his name. Shame on me. But he plays this guy. And again, like him and this other doctor, they found this machine that lets another dimension exist in the same room as you. And you can see other creatures ghostly. But then they, the world start melding more and more. Okay. And the one doctor, Dr. Pretorius, he's kind of like a fucking sex maniac. And so he's all <laughs> about like taking it to the extremes of the flesh and like, Ah, normal fucking and torture is not enough. So now this other dimension. And he turns into this fucking flesh monster. And when they go back, like, they keep turning on the machines. There's a strange allure to it. Mm. And when they do, every time they come back, he's more and more monstrous. And what he, what he says, he's like, this dimension isn't changing me. It's allowing me to change myself to what I really want. What was already there in the first place. Yeah, I can make myself any. And that is, I think it's a universally terrifying concept to every human is what is within me that I'm not aware of, right? Whether yeah. that's a tumor or an instinct to murder, you know, there's so Who are many, you at your worst? There's some, there's, I think we're all in awe of what we are capable of mm-hmm. and scared by nature, you know, because I think a lot of us aren't as imaginative as we could be. And so you see a news story and you're like, people do that to each other? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it, it's yeah. really fucking scary. And this movie, it doesn't, it doesn't try to waste its time or like mental resource on you should be really focused on what that fucking light is. Yeah. But you should be thinking about what the light inside these characters were that helped them burn all this down. Yeah. Right. And also again, this is like, it's the type of movie that I love is just where, again, I think it's early understood. You're not going to understand it. Yeah. These characters have no control over what's going on. This is not going to be a happy ending just enjoy the ride. And that's like, I, I compare it to uh, very much reminding me of like in the mouth of madness. And that's why yeah. I love that movie Yeah, because there is no winning uh, for those characters in that situation that you just enjoy the ride and just see 
all the crazy places that that story just takes you. And I think yeah. I think that's Lovecraft too, isn't it? Which one? In the Mouth of Madness. That was Mouth of Madness. He's at the Mountains of Madness. Right, there's a Mountains of Madness. Mouth of Madness is the the movie with do you read Sutter Kane? Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it was John Carpenter that did that it. Him, it was yeah. John Carpenter, but I didn't know if it was based. No, I don't I don't I mean it feels it has It feels that very yeah. very Lovecraft. I'm sure it, it was like inspired. The, the, he even it. has like the tentacles and <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. Actually, me and you have talked about it. I want to do one of those because we've this. done the thing, yeah. but we want to do the other two in the Apocalypse yeah. trilogy. Yep. We'll get there, man. I don't know, guys. Uh, a lot to ponder in this movie. I, I like any movie that lets me think. Uh, doesn't worry about like giving me defend. I think sometimes definitive answers in movies like this make it harder to enjoy the movie. Yeah, it would ruin it. Yeah, if it doesn't work for you, man. This it, movie is all about personalized fear of change, man. And I hope you guys liked it as much as we did. It was great to have Richard Stanley back. It's fucking great that Nicolas Cage is doing these kind of movies. It's fucking great to see really good Lovecraft movies. Because I've wanted that for a long fucking time, man. It's been a long, and it's been gonna, a long list of bad ones. And he's right? going to keep doing it. Yeah, and uh, Richard Stanley's already signed on. I think they're already working on pre-production yeah. for the Dunwich Horror, right? So that's going to be a fucking wild. He's going to do. He's story. supposed to make a trilogy. Yeah, man. So this to me is very fucking promising, and I love this movie for what it is. Again, I think it's kind of midnight drive-in cinema version of annihilation right because mm. this one doesn't worry about playing as in the loftiest heights of your brain but fucking hits you right in the guts man and i think that's i think this movie's fucking stunning so if you haven't seen it you can find it a uh, video on demand you can buy it right now in your own home man uh you should do that don't watch it with your kids don't watch it with your kids <laughs> bad bad kid movie <laughs> maybe don't watch it with anyone you're related yep. to now that we're thinking about it. uh as always if you love the show and we hope you fucking do, guys. Uh, please leave us a rating and review wherever you find us. You can now see our faces as long as uh, and hear our voices on YouTube. That's Nerd Alchemist channel. Uh, that is plural with an S at the end. Uh, and find us on all of our social media, guys. We would love to hear the uh, what movies you guys want us to talk about specifically. If you give us a movie, we will try our fucking absolute best to get that done. I promise you that. Uh, Cloud, thank you for joining me for yeah, this for emergency Creature feature, double feature. It's always fun. <laughs> For the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Mike Lab.